Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. All right, what's up? Welcome in. GC Live, Friday episode of the show. Final South Carolina versus Florida preview. Chris Clark here, West Mitchell. We're live at the Market on Main, as we do many, many Fridays, uh, 1320 Main Street, Columbia, South Carolina. Um, come on out say hello if you're in the area. Maybe uh, you want to come enjoy some lunch, or maybe you just get off early. Come, come say hello and uh, enjoy us. We are outside, but uh, we have this wonderful – heating device that is radiating heat behind us and for the first time we're in a spot where people chris can see the giant screen uh right over our shoulders so appreciate marking on main having us and if you're looking for a place to watch the game on saturday if you're not going in the game excellent place uh to come watch the game chris i am gonna see about taking this in williams Wright stadium with me <laughs> um I don't know if I can fit it in one of those clear bags. I don't think uh, it'll fit. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, again, South Carolina, Florida, 7.30. Uh, this show is, as always, presented by our good buddy, Clint Hammond, of the Mortgage Network. And the news coming out today from Matt Zenith, on3.com. Um, sort of a confirmation, Chris, uh, of what we have, uh, I would say, alluded, alluded to, really, for most of the week. But 
Um, it, it's looked like Jason Brown was going to get the start. Um, you know, we've assumed Jason Brown's going to get the start. We've been hearing it's been leaning towards Jason Brown getting the start. Uh, Matt Zenith uh, rolling it on out there that he will get the start. So we'll credit him with that. But uh, that, that's got to be the topic today. We have talked about what a, a Jason Brown start might look like earlier this week. But uh, let's dive into it a little bit more, man. You like to say the Jason Brown experience. I was going to say let's let's properly name it. Yes, the Jason Brown Identify. experience yeah. is here. Um, I like to just say JB okay. is now QB1 for the Gamecocks. Uh, what are your expectations for him getting this opportunity on Saturday? Well, I, I would go back to kind of what we've been talking about with the, uh, the Jason Brown experience, and that is, you know, what we know he can bring to the table and to the field, to be more accurate, um, from a physical standpoint, you know, it's a guy that when he came in in spring in South Carolina, you know, a lot of the coaches and even Brown has talked about this. He had a ways to go from a conditioning standpoint, from a mental standpoint. All the physical tools have been there. This is a bigger kid. Now he's trimmed up. He can run. He can navigate the pocket in and out. He has kind of a knack, that gamer mentality that Shane Beamer's talked about, where he can make those off-rhythm plays, off-platform throws. He's got a really good arm, um, and he is certainly not afraid to push the ball downfield uh, to trust his arm, you know, to trust his arm talent. Now, with that has come kind of the caveat and maybe one of the bigger questions in this game, the turnovers. That's something that uh, we've seen in spots in some games, the A&M game being a notable example of that where he's made some big plays, but also there's some throws where you go, let's dial that back a little bit, right? So. I think going into this contest against Florida, playing within the offense and being able to create some plays, but also taking care of the football is going to be, I think, critical for Jason Brown. No doubt. I think here's the thing. Uh, when I look at quarterbacks or I evaluate quarterbacks just from a style of play standpoint, um, you have some quarterbacks that are, are not going to turn the football over, and you may look at it just from a statistical standpoint and be like, this guy does not put the ball in danger. Right? Yeah. He, he's not had interceptions. And, you know, then when you actually watch that quarterback play, um, some some guys may still be able to attack defenses, hit intermediate throws, hit throws down the middle of the field, and they're just truly that accurate. Whereas most quarterbacks, if you look, and they just haven't turned the football over at all, they're probably pretty cautious with the football. Um, you know, maybe rather than kind of in try, try to pick apart a defense at a little bit more intermediate range, that they take the, the dump-off pass over the middle. They, they get the ball to a tight end. They get the ball to a running back on a check down. Um, Jason Brown falls, I would say, firmly into the gunslinger mindset. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that means you're – your, your outcomes, like your potential outcomes with a conservative quarterback, it's sort of more like here and here, like there's a higher floor, but maybe not as high of a ceiling. If you have a little bit more of a gunslinger mindset, the ceiling of what Jason Brown is going to potentially bring to this offense from like a playmaking ability, giving receivers a chance, um, it's going to be higher. Now, the floor, so to speak, is going to be lower in that when I'm talking about the, the sort of final outcomes um, from like a great outcome to a terrible outcome, there's going to be more opportunity for these bad outcomes. 
but there's also going to be more opportunities for for a guy like Jason Brown to let his receivers go make a play. So every quarterback, every offense, every coach, to me, is trying to find that middle ground, that that perfect sort of spot um, in between those two things. So to me, if I'm a receiver, I love the fact that JB is going to give me a chance, that he's going to throw the football up. I will say this, man, when I was going through those PFF numbers, their grades earlier this week, Florida's secondary has not graded out very highly at all. Um, is this the week, you know, a, a Josh fan who uh, who said this week, I mean, he, he was granted in the media availability that he knows the ball is going to fly yeah, with, right. with JB in there. To me, uh, his buddy, lifelong friend, EJ Jenkins, uh, yeah. we know he's going to throw the ball up for EJ Jenkins. Xavier Leggett, some of these guys – there will be opportunities for them to go make plays. To me, once you get past what I'll tell you is like my number one key to this game, maybe the second or third key to this game is can Carolina's receivers make some plays on these Florida DBs when the football is in that 50-50 mode? Because there's going to be some of those on Saturday. There is. I think Shane Beamer's talked about that too, you know, winning one-on-ones and not just – in talking about that, he's not only talking about receivers and DBs, right? Came out of the Texas A&M game saying you got to win some one-on-ones with your offensive line versus their defensive line. Obviously, they didn't. A&M dominated up front, and they dominated at really every other spot. You know, so when you look, it's a good point. Jason Brown is going to – yeah, he's going to put the ball in danger a little bit more probably, but he's certainly going to take more chances. And I think with that – he can manufacture some plays because he has a knack for maybe getting himself out of trouble, navigating the pocket a little bit more, certainly than we saw with Zeb Nolan, you know, from a mobility standpoint. But he'll also he'll let it fly. And so uh, they are – look, the receivers are going to have to go make some plays. And uh, Jason Brown is a guy that I think on this roster there aren't a ton of guys right now, whether it's because of, you know, talent level or it's just because of how the season has played out. For instance, the running backs have not really been able to create much of anything. There's frequently absolutely nowhere to go as soon as the ball snapped and they get the football. It's tough to create in those mm-hmm. situations. Jason Brown, with the ball in his hands every time, he can be a creator. But what he's going to have to do is try to stay away from those negative plays. You know, and I think when they were talking about these quarterbacks and their play styles way back preseason going into week one, um, they talked about Jason Brown sort of not in the same light as a Luke Doty from an athleticism, from a create, you know, create with your legs standpoint. Yeah. Watching him against AM though, I I think he is I think he skews more actually to towards Luke Doty than he does Zeb Nolan. Sure. In my opinion, I mean there, there's a difference, you know, between you don't even have to have the best straight line speed to be shifty. And yeah. I, I thought I thought Jason Brown looked kind of shifty yeah, um, yeah. and definitely trimmed down, as they have said, you know, since we saw him in, in the spring. He was a little bit, you know, thicker guy in the spring. He's worked really hard to, to trim down. I thought that was, like, obvious. It was apparent against A&M. So, does he take off and run with those opportunities? Does he flick the ball down the field? Does he, you know, does he keep his eyes deep downfield or does he keep his eyes underneath? Mm-hmm. Um, all those things. And the game, you know, I'll go back to what um, our buddy Chris Pascal has said, uh, you know, in his column. 
we're going to know a lot after one quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to get into uh, again. We won't go. We went into it pretty deep earlier this week about the Florida mindset right now. Sure. But to me, not just about it's not just about the Florida mindset. To me, if you're making your first not first career start, but your first career start at South Carolina, first career start at this level, um, it's going to be a settling in process. If you're Jason Brown, you want to. I'm sure you want to go show what you can do. You want to add that extra dynamic. You want to be that spark. That's a word people are going to use a lot about yeah. the start, I'm sure. Yeah. But don't lose the game in the first two drives. You know what I mean? So keep the nerves at yeah. bay. You don't have to drive the length of the field the first two drives. But don't don't throw a pick six the first drive either, just trying to make something happen. And, you know, speaking of balances, like you said earlier, that's kind of, I think that's the term you used earlier. You do have to find a balance between that, but you've also got to manufacture some points. I think after the first quarter, you don't want it to be – I mean, there have been two games this year where it's been, what, 28 nothing in the second quarter. Uh-huh. I mean, you – A&M and Tennessee, you don't want to see that. You know, so um, the defense has had its own struggles in, in games this year, especially as of late. You look at Tennessee, you look at A&M. Even, even Vanderbilt had some plays where – Okay, so I, I think they've got to get off to that faster start, which is something that Pascal talked about. So, Jason Brown, when you look at what can what can spark this offense at this point in the season, eight games in, given what we've seen, you do need to find a spark from somewhere. That can come in different spots. Maybe it's just in one way, heck, just play cleaner football. You know, that's one of them. Play better in the trenches. Uh it can be schematic, but obviously another is personnel and players. And so largely this team is what it is from a personnel standpoint. But Brown's insertion will give them, you know, a different look from that standpoint. Yeah, I think um, it would be interesting uh, that the weather is going to be a factor in this game as well. Yeah. Um, our buddy Beckham posting uh, right as we came on. Not just going to be cold. We, we knew that. We knew it was going to be cold all week long. Everybody, I feel like everybody's sort of been preparing themselves for sitting at a cold Williams-Brice Stadium on uh, on Saturday. And we'll see what the wind does, man. That That's the thing. You can sit in a stadium. There's enough people sort of all packed in. Um, it's not that bad, in my opinion, if it's not windy. Once that little crisp just breeze, it doesn't even have to be very windy. It's that little breeze. That's when it gets bad. Yeah. Um, now there's talk of rain. Mm-hmm. If rain is involved as well, um, I'm, I can see both sides on this, man. If rain is involved, you, I would hate to be a quarterback making my first SEC start with it cold, wet, and rainy. Um, with everything else I'm going to have to deal with. The other side, though, if this talk, and right now it is just talk, but if this talk of like Florida, you know, does Florida quit basically today? Not just, you know, not a dramatic like, you know, they truly just don't care. But do they want to give that extra little effort? You know what I mean? Yeah. Do they want to finish their blocks or just block the eye. Yeah. Um, they were called out in that article in the Athletic. Mm-hmm. They were called soft. That's yeah. like, that's the worst four four letter word you could <laughs> use for a football team. Right. Um. But to me, if it's if it's just ab- to use uh, Michael's word, if it's absolutely miserable out there, Florida ain't used to the cold, man. These kids, most of them, are not used to the cold. Yeah. If the game, to me, that's why it does go a little bit back to the first quarter. Carolina gets the lead, 
Fans are in the game. All of Florida's goals are out the window. Um, and then it's just cold and wet and rainy and miserable, too. They may be more excited to stand by one of these on the sideline <laughs> yeah. than, uh, than to go, like, mash their cold hands up against helmets and stuff, you know, and get dinged around and stuff like that. So, to me, I'm going to be watching body language in the first quarter, Yeah, uh, you know, on, on both sides. But that, that could be a key in this football game. And I do think, you know, on the other side, we haven't seen from South Carolina yet, despite their season, you know, going sideways in some ways. Not not necessarily from a record standpoint. Like, I don't, I can't speak to what all the players on the team expected. You know, I'm sure you expect most of them to go out there and win every game. Preseason, you go out there and say, we can do some damage this year, despite what people think. Um, but they, even in games, you know, Tennessee, A&M, the two I keep bringing up, you haven't looked at it and said, well, they're not giving effort. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the effort has largely been there, even when it's gotten pretty bleak. You look at they played better against Tennessee in the second half. Still didn't do much against A&M, but they were out there playing. They are competing, which is much better than the alternative. of When the season's gone sideways, when you get down a lot early in a particular game, and it's pretty evident that the guys aren't giving great effort, you've got an even bigger problem then. Haven't seen that from South Carolina, and that's why yeah, I just think a, a – a quick start, a faster start than what we've seen. You know, it's a low bar. <laughs> Go out, score some points early, weather that storm early, and get yourself in the game. Uh, stay in the game. I, I think that's critical. Unfortunately for South Carolina, Chris, um, when we've done these shows on Friday, most of them follow a script of saying, if this, <laughs> yeah. if this, yeah. if this, and then, hey, maybe if this – South Carolina could win the, you know, it's, it's kind of like a if, if, if. And in some of the games, uh, A&M, Tennessee, the ifs um, were just out the window immediately by the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Um, the Kentucky game, the ifs we put up there um, took place. And you were in the game with a chance to go win the game. Probably, probably even more of the ifs <laughs> took place than we even – thought South Carolina might need, and, yeah. and they, they were not able to win the game. So, to me, the, the the ifs in this game, if you can call it that, is what we just talked about. You know, does Florida – did they really want to be there? The next if, let's say that first one goes Carolina's way, the Florida running game against the Carolina defense. And I, I think it's twofold here. One – We've seen Carolina struggle against the run, even though they've overachieved on defense. They have struggled against the run. Two, the Florida's biggest issue offensively has been if they turn the football over in the passing game. Sure. You have to put them in a situation where they feel like they have to throw the football. If you don't do that, then those turnovers are not going to come. One of the comments on there was saying, you know, if if it's raining, that means Florida's going to run the football more. I I don't care what the weather is. If I'm Florida – I'm, I'm running the football, period, dude. I'm I'm saying literally I will run the ball 15 times in a drive until y'all prove you can stop it. Absolutely. Um, so, to me, you know, we, we've seen some teams – like I thought I thought Tennessee did a great job of keeping South Carolina off balance with like easy throws and then running the football up the middle as well. Mm-hmm. So, and Tennessee was really – what would you say one of the – 
few other teams South Carolina's played that had a, a run threat at quarterback, they're going to see an even greater run threat at quarterback this week um, in Emory Jones. So, to me, you know, that, does it look like the Kentucky game in the first drive where Kentucky just – and Kentucky didn't really sustain that, but uh, do, do they go right down the field and score by just running the football? If you're watching this game and you're sitting in the cold – and you keep seeing on this first drive, second and three, third and one, second and four, first down, second and three. If you keep seeing those numbers pop up on the uh, beast board, it's going to be a long day. Probably so. And and you, you're right, Kentucky didn't sustain that largely because they turned the ball over so much, and then South Carolina was not able to capitalize. What was it, three, I think, turnovers in Kentucky territory. South Carolina walks away with zero points. So, obviously, that's another if. If that happens, if you do get the benefit of whether it's fumble, interception, whatever, if you do get some turnovers, if you're South Carolina, you got to take advantage. Largely this year they haven't. But that is the key. And I I think, you know, Dan Mullen likes to run the ball. They've had a weird – we've documented it all week. They've had statistically a weird year with how they've run the ball, but also statistically very impressive running the football. So uh, with a running quarterback and a stable of backs – and their scheme, they do a really good job with it. And coupled with South Carolina struggles, you would think that that's the game plan. So, number one for the Gamecocks is going to have to be stop the run. When you get an opportunity, if you're fortunate enough to get a third and seven, third and eight, you have got to get off the field. Yeah, and that's that's been an issue at times yeah, too, was, man. Because uh, when you when you have limited opportunities where you're in the third and eight or third and ten, and then you don't get off the field. Such a backbreaker. Like, that is a backbreaker for your defense. And um, I, I'll say this. Everybody can say, you know, Florida fans can say what they want about Dan Mullen right now. They can say what they want about the recruiting comments. <laughs> say what they want about the season. When it comes to just offense and scheming up things and coming up with a game plan, adjusting the game plan on the fly, um, I, I think Mullen's one of the best in this conference. I, I mean, the, the dude is going to have a good plan for you. I think uh, for Carolina, you you know you got you got to hope they've spent this bye week coming up with maybe, and I would say offensively and defensively, a few little tweaks, like a, a few little things that maybe just give Florida pause that that you were working on while they were still having to focus on on Georgia. Yeah, I got that question this morning. I went and spoke to the folks at the Sumter Touchdown Club, and that was one of the questions they asked: is what it could be different about this Carolina team after the bye week. What are the adjustments? And, you know, you point to some obvious ones. I mean, number one, one maybe the biggest storyline is Jason Brown's probably going to be your starter, and we know now is going to be your starter. So certainly that's one. There can be some personnel tweaks that maybe you make defensively. You know, another one we talked about, does Mo Cabo play more? Does Debo Williams play more? I mean, to be determined, right? What does the receiver rotation look like? Does EJ Jenkins play more? One that we ask every week. What's the running back rotation look like? Can Carolina run the ball? But certainly, I think they've talked a lot about the self-scout, looking at some tendencies, looking at some tells. Schematically, what have they come up with that Mike can put this team in a better position? Have they been able to dial in, hone in on some things that they haven't done a lot well? But do they do they find something that in spots that they've done well that they can maybe tweak? and try to get this team where it needs to be, which I think all, all anyone's asking for, Wes, to have a chance in these in this final stretch, maximize what you have. I mean, we've talked about it a ton. 
they haven't done that offensively. So what can you do to, to do that? Good question. We don't know. <laughs> but that's that you know, that's really the key. And it's been so hard. I mean, we can go through literally, I mean, that's why this offense has been such a complex like animal this year. You can't point to just one thing. It's really been all of them. Anything that you come up with undisciplined or missing assignments or getting beat one-on-one or maybe some schematic things or injuries or whatever it may be. Yes. But it's all of it into that pot. And so there's a lot of work to be done. So nobody's expecting some huge shift overnight. Uh, They just need to be serviceable. They need to be able to execute some base runs, take care of the ball, push the ball downfield a little bit. Yeah, no no doubt, man. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, I think the I think fans, frankly, are just tired. They're just tired. Yeah, like they're tired. It's not it's not fun to watch offense that isn't successful. Like not it, at it all. Just, and what was the issue for the majority of the Will Muschamp era? The fact they couldn't consistently put together offenses. Now, this year's group has been. I mean, I let's give credit where it's due. There were actually some flashes even for some of those bad Carolina offenses sure. at times, you know, during the Mustang era, even I think people forget how actually pretty good the, the offense, the first uh, Brian McClendon offense uh, was pretty solid. I think most people would take that oh, right now um, all, all day. All day. Yeah. So, but right now, man, watching sort of how it ended and, and then just watching what the offense has been this year. I, I think if you look at these final four games, as like not individual games, but just sort of in, in a grouping. Do do you see progress? Do you see the offense start to come together? I feel like I honestly feel like this is uh, Groundhog's Day, and you know we, we were recording our before the sandstorm before we did this uh, with Kendall, and it's just like who's who's going to be the starting quarterback this week? Uh, what's the um, you know? What, what's going to happen with the offense? It's like, I know, I mean, I love I love my job, but I get tired of repeating myself sure. every single week yeah. about well, what's wrong with the offense, can it be fixed? Um, so I know y'all as fans are probably like, can we have something else to talk about? Um, but unfortunately, that's just where it is. And most people, I mean – uh, you know, I haven't read your prediction yet. I'm guessing you didn't pick the Gamecocks. Um, I didn't pick the Gamecocks. Um, you, you can't pick them. You can't pick them to score many points until you actually see it happen. Yeah, it, it would be. I mean, I, I guess if you just kind of go out on a limb and say this is the week, right? But we just we haven't seen it, and it's not week two or three where you know maybe you have an aberration out oh, this offense is way better than one bad game we've seen many in a row just just being realistic and so the, the thing is also Wes, it's like they haven't scored points against really anybody you know i mean sec competition you even go to the troy game i mean they struggled on offense against troy you know um eastern illinois sure but i mean eastern illinois the the worst team that they played this season by far by far, you know, Vanderbilt, they stressed Charleston Southern and Eastern Illinois in a, in a bad off for maybe for that title. But, I mean, Vanderbilt, you score 21 points, you know. I mean, so they haven't done enough well to inspire confidence. And you look at the teams they're playing, we know Florida can score, and they have a lot of talent on their team. 
maybe they got some problems. Sure, maybe fans – I mean, fans griping about the recruiting class on the internet is not going to affect the fact that they're still a better team right now, you know, on paper and based on what we've seen. Auburn will be salty defensively and they can score. Missouri will be bad defensively, but can Carolina even take advantage? You know, Clemson, same thing. They haven't – they've been way worse than people thought offensively, but they're pretty good on defense. And even if they weren't as good on defense, can Carolina take advantage? The answer so far has been no. And until they show it offensively that they've made measured progress, it's going to be hard to pick them in any game. So, will it come? I don't know. But I'm with you. I think fans want to see some type of progress. How exactly do you measure that? Maybe more points, more sustained drives. The eye test is going to play into it, too, just to be honest. Yeah. Ultimately, though, more more points. More points. You got to. Yeah. I mean, there there were signs against Vanderbilt, but then it's – you shoot yourself in the foot yeah. several times. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, at some point, at some point you can't even play the eye test things. At some point to me, it's just like you got to find a way to score more points just because fair, you know, fair or not, people are tired of it. You're just tired of it. <laughs> and you understand. You get it. I yeah. get it. We get it. Yeah. Um, again, this show is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clintonhammond.com, 803-771-6933. is how you can t- contact Clint if you're in the market for a new home or you just want to maybe – See what options you have to refinance. Uh, Clint is your guy to hit up and see what those options may be. Um, by the way, I did lock in some Corey Smith tickets, uh, two VIP tickets. Um, up close, I used to go to Corey Smith when I was in college. Um, he was very popular when I was in school, yeah. and he would he would tour around like Southeast. Great concert. Um, he is coming to Columbia on the 19th. That's the day before the Auburn game. So on Monday's show, I'm going to give away two tickets to our GC Live listeners, watchers. Actually, it'll be viewers. I'm going to give it away on the stream. So you have to be watching it live. Give away two tickets. I'm already giving away two separate, uh, a separate pair on the Insider Forum. So if you're on GamecockCentral.com, go on there right now. We give away two VIP tickets to the Corey Smith concert. Um, I've actually got several, so I'm going to spread these out among all the different platforms that we have on Gamecock Central. So Monday afternoon, though, we're doing our Florida, South Carolina wrap-up, like our post-show. I'm going to give away two of those tickets and appreciate the folks at uh, Sacred Park getting us hooked up with those so we can give those away to our awesome fans. Um, what what else you got on the game, man? What's uh, – what have we not touched on that is going to matter? That's what I always want for people. That's what I always want people to know. What do they? What do you need to know about this game? And did we cover it or not? Um, and we talk about the game throughout the week. Um, we hit on a bunch of different topics. So to me, man, how, how bad is Florida's defense? I think is a question. Like, are they? Yeah. You know, and, and not even really in terms of South Carolina's offense. That they're they're trying to run. Grant them out of town. I th- Again, I, I think they tried to pretty hard. They being the fan base tried pretty hard last year. Um, unfortunately, there were some scapegoats um, involved there. Um, Grant them, I believe, will be run out of town successfully this year. It's been interesting. What I saw during the Georgia game, what I uh, have read a little bit as well, is that Grantham, who used to be known as Mr. Mr. Blitz, like he he was going to just blitz you to death. Yeah. 
playing a lot more just too high stuff on first and second down. Um, they, they, they sort of operate a little bit differently than you think of of a Ty Grantham defense. Now, if South Carolina is in third and nines, I think that's when you will see him revert back to heating them up. We've seen South Carolina struggle with pressure on passing down. So, yeah. to me – he, he may go he may go back to his roots this week and just say we're we're gonna send pressure but the, the mo this year has been first and second down two high safeties keep everything in front bend but don't break which is weird to talk about a Todd Grantham defense like that um, but that from a Carolina standpoint Chris means you're gonna have to try to run the football on early downs and We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, and, and so that's how I was going to try to answer that question is more more relevant, honestly, and this is going to sound maybe overwhelmingly negative. I, I don't really intend it to be, but just kind of being realistic is, you know, every game that Carolina has gone into since early in the year, when it became kind of apparent that this was the product, it, for me it's it's not even been as much about the other team as much as, can South Carolina go out there and execute base stuff? It's kind of like you said, first down. If Florida comes out in too high and they're not loading the box, can you can you run inside zone and get seven yards? Right? Like I mean, can because if you can't, the conversation doesn't need to go a lot farther. You know, um, they're going to have to go out there and execute some basic stuff, you know, to be able to have success. And so, Florida's defense, yeah, they've had some struggles this season. They've had some injuries. They haven't been. You know, they showed some promise earlier in the year. Generally, they haven't been as good as people thought or were hoping for coming into this year, um, and they struggled last season. So I think that's still there, yeah. So you mentioned the PFF numbers for the DBs for Florida. Are there some opportunities for Carolina's receivers probably? Yes. Will Jason Brown put the ball in there? Yes. But the key is, is South Carolina good enough, or will they be good enough in this game you know, to be able to take advantage of some of those things. They haven't against varying levels of competition this year. They haven't been able to do it. Yeah, you uh, you can't rewrite your playbook in a bye week. Um, at some point, you are what you are on offense. That said, you can tweak things yep. on a bye week. To me, I'm going in this game, man, if, if, if I think they're going to be in too high, um, you know, and, and they, you know, I'm not saying they're just going to sit in too high. They, I'm sure at times they're going to rotate guys down to the box. But if they're going to sit with their safeties back, I'd probably have spent the last two weeks working on a couple of additional runs yeah. um, and just repping the absolute heck out of them. And, you know, whether it's a playoff or that that counter that, uh, that teams have, have hit Florida on, um, we don't see the speed option anymore. That play is like – undefeated in South Carolina history, I feel like. Um, exaggeration, but seriously, the speed yeah. option, has, you know, some, some zone read with, uh, you know, with, with Jason Brown using his legs a little bit. I I honestly would have some, like, base-type runs, but that just are a little bit different, some yeah. pin and pull. And I'd, I'd come out and, and try to hit them with those and try to establish something different. That would be my approach as opposed to coming in I know you want a big play early. I know you want to try to get the ball down the field. But if they're sitting with those safeties back, rather than just, you know, running your insides on, you're sort of what I think they hoped would be the base run this year of that or like the duo call I think is one we heard a lot about uh, preseason. To me, some pin and pull, 
uh, some counter. That's a huge part of Lincoln Riley's offense where um, where Beamer obviously came from. I, that that's what I would do if it was me. Is could I could I find a couple of little different wrinkles, a little different runs, rep the heck out of them for two weeks, and then try to cram the ball down Florida's throat early in this game, and sort of reset, like like almost take their game to them, uh, yeah. and see see how bad they they want to be here. That that would be my approach. You can you can protect a first like a, a starting quarterback for the who's starting for the first time a pretty good bit by putting them in some some you know second threes yeah i mean it's very helpful it opens up a lot of things for you you know second a second three call uh, much easier to make much more wiggle room than a second 10 second nine second 12 which south Carolina's found themselves in you know far too often this year so i mean look it, we, we kind of joked about it early in the year when we we're doing our keys to the game you can make run the ball stop the run you like you can make that one every week this one it is going to be pretty important because you look at what florida likes to do offensively they can run it they can run it with the quarterback so if carolina can't stop the run very long day it's going to be defensively and until further notice until they do it it's going to be a key for the carolina offense that's the one thing that you would think coming into this year that we all thought they'll be able to run the ball effectively in some form or fashion based on what we saw last season instead they have not they've run it you know much worse they haven't been effective at all so that's something that they obviously have to get going. If you can't, all these other things we talked about are going to be tough. So, yes, some run game tweaks. We spent a lot of time talking about what they're doing schematically in the run game. Come up with something different, you know, that can that can help your players. Well, the beauty of football is that you can get all the way down to, like, the minute detail of uh, the center has to be able to move their one technique – on the inside zone and get to the next level and hit the linebacker um, when South Carolina tries to run this call against that defense. Yeah. Or you can zoom it all the way back out to South Carolina has to block and they have to get off blocks. <laughs> you know, like it. But the beauty yeah. of football is it can – like you can find all these matchups or you can zoom it all the way out. This to me is a zoom-out game. Uh, how bad is Florida want to be there? Um is South Carolina able to take advantage of it if they don't want to be there, basically? Well, and, and one interesting thing I, I was just kind of thinking of when Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, had his last media opportunity, he, was, he talked about some stuff in the self-scout that they were looking at, some different tells, meaning, you know, sometimes a player's footwork on film when the opposing defense is going to look, sometimes where they're aligned, how they're aligned, that can kind of give away what they're going to be running. Um, but I thought – Something interesting that he said again, it's not the first time it's been said this season, was but was just talking about your personnel and what you're asking your players to do, whether it's receivers, linemen, quarterbacks, whoever. You know, are you asking them to basically are you asking them to do things that they can't? Honestly, this season, I think we've seen some of that. I think you go back and look at some of the plays, run scheme stuff in particular, where you go, maybe that's not playing to their strengths fully. Or and or you're asking your guy to do too much. You know, if you're asking your center to single block Goliath from Kentucky, the nose tackle, that that may be a problem, you know, and that's nothing on Eric Douglas, you know, or whoever's playing center or whatever assignment it may be. But you do have to look at it and say, is that is there a greater chance of that failing than not? 
Um, and so that's what, you know, heck, that's what self-scout's for. And you do that every week, but the bye week gives you a little more time to dive into what you're doing, you know. So it's cold outside. We have this great heater, but when we're out of this element right here, this great setup, we'll be back in the cold west. There's wind. Perfect day. I've got my dead soxy socks on. They haven't slipped at all. Patented no slip technology. Buttery soft feel, and they're extremely warm. So these are the boardroom dress sock line. Uh, they have all sorts. The spur line that you can see that's got the South, South Carolina flavor on there. All sorts of men's and women's socks. Go to deadsoxy.com. Use the promo code COCKY to get 25% off your entire order. There it is. Check out Dead Soxy. Uh, let's go out to our Primal Gourmet chat line because there is there are two final points I want to make, and then we're going to get out of here, Chris. Um, if I can get to it here from uh, Sam on YouTube. YouTube still by far the best way to watch the show, in my opinion, and it's archived after every show as well. Um, Chris, one thing, one factor in this game, Florida – very penalized as well. Something, something South Carolina's dealt with. Uh, Florida has had some of the same issues on offense, like false starts, not being able to get out of their own way. Um, now they they've moved the football. Obviously, they they've out they've had more yardage than every single team they've played. The Georgia one was wild when you said that. That blew my mind. Well, I second guessed myself after because yeah, you were like, "Really?" And one I was yard, like, yeah, right? by one yard. Yeah, I think it was three fifty-five to three fifty-four. Um, they're they're four and four, mm-hmm. and they're two and four in SEC play, and they they've outgained every single team they've played. That that is insane to me. But they they've had turnovers, and they've had penalties. They they've just had they've had little issues of them not being um, detail oriented in how they execute. So. South Carolina sounds familiar, right? Like they, South Carolina has had in in some games penalties have been a huge issue for South Carolina. So, to, to me, who who tightens that up this week? Um, you know, who's who's paying attention? Who's you know, you, you try to get back to yourself on the bye week. Try to focus on yourself. Does does that help Carolina having the bye week? We shall see. Another just little thing to circle going in this game. But Sam, a good point on YouTube. But something I want to hit on. He said, scheme only matters when when talent is comparable. How many games uh, has a part of the talent group been overwhelmed and how much is bad scheme? You know, Sam, I think this is where you have to have a little bit of nuance in that multiple things can be true. And you will hear Chris and I sit here and say, does South Carolina have to recruit more talent? Does South Carolina have to get more um, – players who can make plays. They have to continue to recruit guys on the offensive line. Yes, yes, yes. On all those things. That said, here's what I look at. What does South Carolina do against Vanderbilt compared to what UConn does against Vanderbilt? You know, I I think yes, South Carolina needs more talent if they're going to compete in the SEC East. If they're going to compete for the division, if they're going to compete to even be like, to me, the first step is getting to that middle tier in the East because right now they're, they're not in it. Yeah. Sure. Um, but you also have to compare to what other teams have done against similar opponents. So when I see other teams really scoring against Vanderbilt and South Carolina not, and you can say, well, 
you know, yeah, the turnovers played a big part in that. They did, but still, um, when South Carolina's had those issues against most teams, you had the the stat about like what what is what is your offense doing compared to what other offenses are yeah, doing throughout the year? Teams? Yeah, throughout the year. Now, a lot of those teams, some of them maybe do have more talent than South Carolina, but when I look at like opponents and I see that Carolina's not having the same offensive output. Uh, that that's where you get concerned, and that's where you say it's it's not just a, a talent issue at all. Right, right. Well, and, and and you can use the very extreme example of you know you look at the A and M game, six yards with two what two twenty three left on the clock in the third quarter. That that thing that's been memed all over the place now, and you got six yards. Um, talent disadvantage, yeah. Do you need to get better? Yeah, but six yards, you know, and so. Uh, I, you're right. I did put together those stats. Uh, I guess it was a couple games ago, and the issue was was that it was a theme. So it wasn't well, pick a game here. Ah, they turned the ball over four times in that game. You can't really count that. It was a theme. It was consistent, and that South Carolina was at the bottom, either the worst or one of the worst frequently in terms of offensive output against a certain opponent relative to other teams on that opponent's schedule throughout the rest of the year so that's when you do get concerned and, and you're right both of them can be true which makes it that's the reason it's been all the more frustrating for, for Carolina fans this year yes all of the above I saw is the, true yes um which means you have to improve all of the above yes you can't just say it's just this you can't just say it's just that um but those things are tied together too. getting more players you have to be able to show kids promise. You have to be able to yeah. show them, hey, come play in this scheme. We'll get you the football. So they're, they're separate issues, but they're linked as well. Absolutely. In my opinion. All right, y'all, that's going to do it. Uh, appreciate Market on Main for hosting us. Again, beautiful 20-plus uh, foot LED screen behind us. Uh, great place to watch the game. They actually have these uh, cool igloo things out here as well. Those are awesome. Is that a technical term, igloo thing? Um, what do you well, it, it, warmer than an igloo keeps yeah. you warm. So they got some bubbles out here that you can sit in and watch the game. Um, they also have uh, obviously heaters out here as well. Keeps it uh, way warmer than the elements uh, will keep you right now. Hopefully, no rain at the game tomorrow, man. You can deal with cold, but God, a cold, wet, just rainy football game. I don't know. Not a lot of fun. So hopefully, hopefully we all avoid that. Appreciate the support as always, y'all. Go check us out on GamecockCentral.com. Um, and, and, by the way, shout out to the men's and women's basketball teams getting rolling this week. Exhibition wins for both. Uh, both will be getting into the regular season here soon. And uh, shout out to the Gamecock women's volleyball team. You see they yeah. beat the number five team in the country, Kentucky. Um, good for them, man. Those girls, they have some talent on that team. And that's a, that's a program that has gradually sort of uh, – taking step forward, you know, and, and, you know, good, good for them. That, that's a big win for them as they try to get into uh postseason play. All right, y'all appreciate it. Uh, from market on main, he's Chris, I'm Wes, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. 
Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.